Lord Jesus, I pray that you will teach us to love one another and to love our enemies as ourselves. Even in this difficult time, in this difficult world, and when we hear difficult sayings and difficult teachings, help us, Lord, as Father Benji prayed earlier, to have compassion, but to speak the truth. Lord Jesus, help us to hear your word this morning. Lord, may it not be mine, but yours that people hear. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Be seated. <laughs> Guess what our scripture is about today? How many of you, I saw some of you, turn expectantly looking to see the bride? What were your thoughts? <laughs> Did you think uh, if I had known, I would have worn a more formal dress? Or, I wish I had shined my shoes. Or, I wish I'd had my hair done. That wouldn't be much of a problem for me. But, Or, I would have worn my best suit. Well, in other words, had you known about a wedding, would you have prepared differently? I remember so well our daughter's wedding. That was probably... <laughs> the most fun day I ever had in my life. It was a blast. It was a culmination, of course, of much planning and preparation on the parts of Sarah and Laura and others. Not so much for me, I just signed the checks. <laughs> and I remember so many times the question, are you ready for the wedding? Of course, the answer was different depending on who you ask. Today, I'd like for us to think a little bit about wedding. And specifically, we'll set the scene with talking a little bit about the Jewish tradition of uniting two people in marriage. That was a very specific and intentional, a formal betrothal or engagement in our present day terms. And that was, it was announced to all, especially the family and friends. And then on the previously established wedding day, uh, sometimes a year or so longer or more after that, the bride and all of her attendants, family, friends, uh, all those who were invited were going to the home of the groom, probably at night. And with the ceremony completed and the marriage consummated, there occurred a feast, a great feast, which may have lasted a week or more. It's within that context that we understand the scriptures for today. The scene is the wedding of the Lamb, Jesus Christ, which was planned before time, and it's about to occur in our reading today. The father of the groom, we know, has prepared all things. A great multitude is gathered around the throne, praising and worshiping God for the gift of his salvation. These are those of every tribe, tongue, and nation. The reign of our Lord God causes those gathered 
to rejoice, exult, and give him praise and glory. They rejoice especially because the great prostitute, Babylon, has been judged and found guilty of corrupting the earth with her her immorality and the death of the servants of God. We have a Babylon today. It is an antichrist culture which is corrupting God's plan for marriage, sanctity of life, a reverence for our natural-born gender, oppression of others, and persecution of the Christians, and you can go on and on. And unfortunately, many churches who claim to be Christian reveal their true identity when they participate in the activities of this modern-day Babylon. They have sold themselves to the pleasures of evil as a prostitute would sell oneself. The Apostle Paul warned of this in his letter, second letter to Timothy. He said, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. These modern-day Babylonians are those who will be judged by fire and whose smoke will go up forever. Why talk about things like this in the context of a wedding? Isn't a wedding supposed to be joyous and a happy celebration? Yes, that's true. But we talk about it because we must remain as the true, faithful, and chaste bride of the Lamb. We cannot cave to the pressures of culture. We have been engaged to Jesus, who is the bridegroom. That betrothal was made by him as he gave himself up in pain, agony, and death on the cross for our salvation. The Father ensured our engagement by way of the Holy Spirit when he breathed the life of resurrection into Jesus. The bridegroom, Jesus, has been preparing for the wedding to his betrothed, the church. He has been calling many to follow him and get themselves ready for the wedding. He is longing for the day that he comes to rescue his bride. Where is this ceremony and feast being held, and who is participating? Well, the where, certainly in our scriptures, is in heaven and around the throne. And those who are participating include the great multitude who cried out, Hallelujah! And also 24 elders and the four living creatures. That great multitude sounded like the roar of many waters. And also, certainly, the lamb, the bride, are there. And all those who have received and responded to an invitation to attend the wedding. I read for you again from Revelation 19, the first verse. It says, After this I heard what seemed to be the loud voice of a great multitude in heaven, crying out, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to our God. And then we move forward a little bit to the fourth verse. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God, who was seated on the throne, saying, Amen, Hallelujah. And from the throne came a voice saying, Praise our God, all you servants, you who fear him, small and great. 
Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of the mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Sounds like a wedding to me. In verse 7, it says, Let us rejoice and exult and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. And verse 9 says, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Not only is this a wedding and a marriage feast, but for those who get excited when seeing celebrities, listen to just a few of the names of some of those invitees whose names are mentioned in the Bible, the Old Testament and the New. Those who by faith longed for the promise, but not having seen it, remained true to their calling. People like Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Sarah, Moses, Ruth, Esther, David, Job, and so on. Pick your saints. It will truly be a family reunion at this wedding. And, yeah, the 144,000 tribes, uh, people from the tribes of Israel, they'll be there. Aren't you excited? We get to see Noah, Abraham, and Esther, and Ruth, and all those. What a time that will be. And, of course, the bride will be present. She has made herself ready. In verse 8 of today's scripture, it says, It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, and she will be adorned with fine jewels, and the bride will wear a robe of righteousness. The Apostle Paul describes the clothes that the Lamb had prepared for his bride in Ephesians 5, verses 26 and 27. Paul said that he had prepared his bride by having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot, or wrinkle, or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Who is the bride? Well, Paul, in his second letter to the church at Corinth, said, I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a virgin, pure virgin, to Christ. You, faithful Christian, are, as stated in the Nicene Creed, a member of the one holy Catholic and apostolic church, the bride. You are the bride. And our Book of Common Prayer in the rite of holy matrimony says, Almighty God established the bond and covenant of marriage in, a creation, in creation as a sign of the mystical union between Christ and his church. And later on in that rite, the officiant says, So that husbands and wives, with all the household of God, might serve as holy and undefiled members of the body of Christ. If we, the church, the bride of the Lamb, if we are to be the bride of the Lamb, we, the church, when do we know we are prepared for the wedding? Thankfully, our bridegroom has taken care of everything. 
We are ready to be the bride of the Lamb when by faith we wear the robe of righteousness that he offers. So, if our bridegroom has taken care of our dress, what do we have to do to be ready for the wedding? Well, we are to keep our clothes with us and keep them clean. And in the first part of the book of Revelation, Jesus said to Sardis, the church in Sardis, Yet you have still a few names in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. And in Revelation 16:15, Jesus said, Behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake, keeping his garments on, that he may not go about naked and be seen exposed. You might say, but isn't it impossible to keep ourselves clean? Don't we all sin every day? Yes, each sin, regardless of how small or insignificant, threatens to stain us. But as we live a life of sorrow and repentance for our sin, Jesus continually cleanses those spots. But we must invoke AA, that's admit and ask, confess and ask for forgiveness. Through the word and sacrament, we stand under the shower of his cleansing love and forgiveness. But when we harden our hearts and try to hide away some secret sins, we stain ourselves and our wedding dress. Every day, we must choose to be married to Christ or be unfaithful to him. We must choose to be faithful to Christ or be unfaithful to him. Often the cares of life might cloud our view of the wedding requirements so that we let our marriage opportunity slip away. The distractions and false narratives presented by our culture may cause us to toss aside our longing, active participation and anticipation for the marriage feast. We might get distracted. What are we to do when confronted on every side by evil? What are we to do when tempted to pursue selfish and ill-gained wealth and status in our society? What are we to do when ridiculed for believing the Bible to be the inerrant and inspired word of God? What are we to do when our families and friends reject us for standing in the gap for unborn babies and the sick and elderly? What are we to do when we are commanded by our employers or government authorities to endorse unbiblical practices of same-sex marriage and transgender ideals? What is our response when we are told that we are not current with the times and that God has evolved into a non-entity in our society. My brothers and sisters, you the bride, the church, we are to stand firm. Stand firm. Adopt those two words. Through the power and grace of Jesus, we are to remain unstained from the world. 
We must remain loyal to the bridegroom. We must not sell ourselves to the pressures of society and culture. We must stay ready to become dressed in the bright, clean, and white linen dress which Jesus has given us. I offer you some scripture of exhortation. And as Father Ben says, yes, we're a Bible church. So just hang on. I'm going to read some. From Ephesians 6, verse 10 and following. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, stand firm. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And in 1 Corinthians 16, the 13th verse, Paul told the church, Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Let all that you do be done in love, but stand firm. In Philippians 1, 27, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Take heart. Stand firm. Now, I would like for you to hear the encouraging and dynamic words of Charles Spurgeon as he gave in a sermon in the late 19th century. And I will read this. Charles Spurgeon, great preacher, almost as good as Bishop J.C. Ryle, huh, Father Ben? <laughs> he said, There will come a time when all God's redeemed shall be saved. Listen, y'all, this is good. There will come a day when all who have died shall have been raised again from the tomb. And those who remain alive shall have been changed, so that their corruption shall have put on incorruption, and mortality shall have put on or mortality shall have put on immortality. Then will the church be perfect and complete. No one member will be missing. There will be no spot or wrinkle remaining in her. Then it shall come to pass that Christ will celebrate this marriage supper which will be the bringing of the people of God into the closest and happiest union with Christ their Lord in glory. Even now, the Lord Jesus Christ is no stranger to some of us, and we are not strangers to him. Yet there shall come a day when we shall see him face to face, and then we shall know him with a clearer and fuller knowledge than is possible for us today. What that bliss will be, I cannot tell. Oh, the ineffable brightness when we shall see the face of Jesus. Whew. 
Oh, the unspeakable sweetness when we shall hear his voice. Oh, the amazing bliss when he shall manifest himself to us in all his glory. And there will come such a day for all whom he has redeemed, for all who trust him and rest in his atoning sacrifice. That will be the marriage supper of the Lamb. That feast will be, like most other marriage suppers, the fulfillment of long expectation. Our Lord has waited long for his perfected church. He espoused himself to her ever before the earth was. But there was much to be done ere she was prepared for the marriage. The bridegroom, too, had to leave his father and become one with his bride by taking upon himself our humanity. For our sake he did quit the thrones and royalties of heaven that he might be bone of our bone and flesh of our flesh. And here was he born, and here he lived, and here he died. But still the bride was not ready, and it is not till you come to this chapter, Revelation 19, that the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. Souls have to be saved, newly created, blood-washed, sanctified, perfected, and the whole of them must be gathered to make up the body of Christ's spouse. And when that is done, and she is all complete, the expectations of the Christ will, fulfill, will be fulfilled at that marriage supper. Oh, beloved, you do not know the longings of the heart of Christ for that day of glory. For this he lived, for this he died. For this he continually pleads that all for whom he shed his precious blood might be his in that day. That day is fast coming, and when it arrives, then will be the wedding feast above. Close quote. Christ Church, you who are covered in the white dress of Jesus' holiness, please stay ready for the wedding. Stand firm. Stand firm. Pray that your brothers and sisters will stand firm. Pray that Fathers Ben and Benji and Shane will stay, stand firm. Pray that our bishops will stand firm. Pray for me that I will stand firm. In so doing, I'm so excited to know that I'll see you at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Where our groom, Jesus Christ, comes to claim us, his bride. Amen.